Hey there, Pastor Mark Jordan here from Hope Church. Thank you for stopping by and welcome to our online ministry. While you're here, make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all the content that's released. And while you're online, visit us at our webpage at placeofhope.org. Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him. And we hope that this message today is helpful and inspiring for you as you continue to take your next step on your faith journey. Once again, thanks for visiting us and make sure to check us out at placeofhope.org. I want to say before we go any farther, how grateful I am that we are here as a church family, but even more specifically, how grateful I am that we are here. And I think I can speak on behalf of Tiffany here on the front row and Ethan back in the tech booth about how grateful we are that we have a church family like Hope Church that has rallied around us in some really challenging and crazy times. But the other thing that I've experienced in my role as pastor is how this church has been part of God's effort to show up and show out for so many other people. And I hope that as we gather this morning, that we can do so with gratitude because God is here in our midst. God has been in this place, shaping this moment of time to get it ready for our encounter with him today. And I know beyond the shadow of a doubt, because, you know, I'm almost four years into my tenure here at Hope Church. Uh, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that there are people in this room whose lives are changed and better despite some of the adversity that we face because we are here and part of this family. And I am grateful for that, and I hope and I pray that you are grateful for that as well. Now, today we are closing out our January message series entitled True Virtue. The way that we got here, the very first Sunday, we talked about honor in a cancel culture. And we talked about honor, how honor deals with uh, it, showing honor to, to God and our parents, uh, even authorities in the world and our spiritual leaders. Even when we are called to give honor to somebody, when they may not deserve it, it has more to reflect about who we are and whose we are. Then the second week, we talked about integrity and who we are when no one is looking and having a fully integrated life, not disintegrated, but who we are when we make sure that we live as though our belief and our behavior is congruent and consistent. And then last week, we talked about persistence. And uh, persistence is something, uh, as we looked at our Bible passage, that really, when we break it down from the original Greek, it really makes it personal. And we talked about persistence. We talked about staying on God's path, even when it seems dark, right? Staying on God's path, not allowing that to, uh, not allowing that to confuse us or distract us or discourage us. Uh, but it also means remaining in the faith, talking about adversity. It's having faith in Jesus even when it may not make sense and even when it seems challenging and difficult. And because faith is about acknowledging that God is real, we can look forward in hope to when God's plan is fully executed and envelops us. So we must persist in hope. And that's how we got to where we are today, talking about gratitude. Gratitude. I can remember uh, quite vividly what it, where I was when I read the message version of our first verse for today that talks about gratitude with God. And this verse comes from Psalm 100, verse 4. Now, I'll say this, as you might be turning in your uh, Bible app or your info guide or something. This is a perfect time if you want to follow along with the notes today. They are available for you in our Hope Church Plus app, the very first card on the home screen, as well as how we insert them into our info guide. But we see this from Psalms chapter 100, verse 4. 
It says, enter, the pa- enter with the password, thank you. Make yourselves at home talking praise. Thank him. Worship him. And of course, the hymn that this is referring to is God. We see that thanks or gratitude is the password into God's presence. That idea of gratitude is the password into the presence of God. All too often when I am only able to voice breath prayers, they usually come out somewhere along the line of, help me, (laughs) right? Breath prayers are those little quick prayers that we can offer, maybe a word or two or three or a sentence uh, that helps to pull us into the presence of God. But what we see is that the password into God's presence, almost like it's a secret handshake or a password, right, for a club, is that thank you is the password into God's presence. When we are orienting ourselves around gratitude, talking praise and thanking God, it pulls us into this sense and this idea of worship. And so we need to make sure that in our prayer lives and our personal lives, that we are expressing gratitude, thanking God for who he is, for what he's done, and worshiping him. And what does that do? When we make worship a part of our experience of and with and for and through God, it reminds us of this very important yet sometimes challenging reality that God is God and you are not. That God is God, I am not. Starting with gratitude means that we acknowledge that there is a God. We need to get into his word, abide by his will, and to go God's way, to persist even when we are facing adversity, so that we can continuously come back to this grounding moment and truth that God is God and I am not, or you are not. And we have to persist in that. Going back to Genesis and how uh, Moses, when he wrote Genesis, revealed that call and that pull into original sin. It starts with the very first temptation that the serpent issued to Eve on behalf of of Satan. Did God really say? It's about putting ourself at the center and the core of what we do, what we think, what we say, what we believe, as opposed to self. We are tempted to put ourselves at the center of everything and expect the world to revolve around us. And when we realize that that isn't true, that isn't the way that God designed it to be, it can be disorienting, can't it? It can cause us to feel disintegrated. Which is why we need to persist in faith and hope, right? Have that integrity so that our belief and our behavior is congruent and continue to show honor even in the face of integrity because it says more about who we are and whose we are than perhaps the person to whom we are supposed to be showing honor. All this comes together in terms of how we are experiencing virtue even when it's hard. And so our next theme here is about how gratitude brings freedom. If expressing gratitude and saying thanks is the password into God's presence, then what we are going to realize when we are truly in God's presence is it changes the way that we are called to experience ourselves, to experience others, and of course, to experience God. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 says this, and we've already sung about it, 
For for the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So if gratitude is the entrance into God's presence, then gratitude also helps us to bring into a whole brand new sense of freedom. Now when we look at the ideas and the concepts of freedom in Scripture, what we realize is that freedom has more to do with how we are enabled and empowered to do for God without having to fear punishment and repercussions of people. Now, when we talked about cancel culture, this is one of those things that maybe you felt a little bit of conflict there because so much of what cancel culture tries to do is to get us to align with whatever the popular idea of the moment is as opposed to the timeless and eternal truths that are contained in the Scripture and in our experience with God. We become more concerned about what other people think of us and maybe can do to us than what it is that God wants us to be. There is freedom, though, in recognizing that in God there is no punishment as long as we are adhering to the will and the way and the word of God. But friends, that is so much easier said than done, isn't it? Can I get a witness? I, I think about all the times when I've had an opportunity to share a little bit about my faith around people who I might not know how they're going to respond or react, and I get a little chicken because of it. I get a little scared. Or for those of you like me who grew up in the South, I get a little scared. Worrying and wondering, what is their thought of me going to be when they realize what it is that I believe? This really challenged me a lot in high school until a couple of buddies and I, we started the Fellowship of Christian Athletes there at the high school that we attended. And there, it was absolutely uh, obvious within a few weeks and months where it was that we had our hope. And we had to start. I am not kidding with this. We had to start holding our Fellowship of Christian Athletes meetings in a stairwell in an auxiliary building at Pebble Brook High School. And this is in 1992, something like that. Back when it wasn't even as hard to be living out faith in public as it is today. But what became so awesome was when we outgrew the stairwell at the the school. And we were able to go back to the administration and to our, uh, our faculty advisor and say, we no longer can fit the praise that we're doing in the school in the stairwell there in the auxiliary building. And so eventually, we moved from the art room into the gymnasium, and half the gymnasium was full with students who were coming to praise God at something like 7 o'clock in the morning before school started. There was freedom there. Now, at first it felt kind of restricting having to be in the stairwell because we weren't allowed to be in another space. But once we stepped out in courage, other people found courage to express their gratitude and their faith in God as well. And of course, not everyone there was coming to express their gratitude. Some were just seeking. Some were just curious. Some were looking for ways to discredit what it was that we were saying publicly. You know what? As high school students... Three guys, we probably gave them plenty of ammunition, right? We probably gave them plenty of reasons to say, I don't want to follow into this Christianity thing because I know about Mark and Mark and Andy. But we persisted. And in persisting, what we found was that it called us to a stronger sense of integrity to make sure that our belief and our behaviors matched so that we could continue to show honor even in places where it might not have been completely welcomed. 
The Spirit of Lord of the Lord brings freedom, and we are called to live in freedom as a result of who we are and whose we are. But there is no doubt that we are going to experience times in life. They're going to feel like we are completely restricted and constricted, and we are unable to fully experience the freedom that we seek or the freedom for which we yearn. It's kind of funny this morning, actually, while I was going through my notes and having my personal preparation time for the message today, I remembered something that happened, I don't know, almost 20 years ago with Ethan. Ethan was a toddler, and Tiffany had gone out to go shopping or whatever, just to let her hair down and get out of the toddler mess for a while. So I had Ethan all by myself, and I was trying to think about something that we could do. So I decided to take him to the swimming pool in our neighborhood, which was maybe about a quarter of a mile from where we lived, uh, our little house in, uh, in Forsyth County. We went to the swimming pool. And you know what it's like when you're taking a toddler to the swimming pool. It feels like you have to pack up like you're going to the beach, right? All, these, all this equipment, all these toys, all this, your diaper bag and things like that. And so uh, it took me a couple loads, but I was able to finally get Ethan in my little Toyota Camry. It was black back then. Different car, it's silver today, but, you know, different car. And so I got Ethan and, and the diaper bag and the, uh, the pool bag and the, all the towels and all the other stuff in the Camry. And we drove down to the pool and we went down there and had a good time. And uh, it started to occur to me, we were getting ready to come back, that, you know, I was going to have my hands full again without having the, the comfort and the security of home. So uh, I decided I was going to put Ethan in the car, and then I was going to go make a couple trips uh, to finish loading up everything from our excursion to the pool. And as soon as I turned away, I heard this very distinct click. Some of your parents just felt your stomach hit your throat, right? You know what that click was, wasn't it? Don't you? It was the locked doors. And the car was running because I turned on the air conditioner. And all of a sudden, there's this three-year-old or so, Ethan, sitting in the driver's side of my Camry while it's running, holding on the steering wheel, just looking at me and laughing like he had no fear in the world. He was free and he was easy. Right? Everything was great. Except he was locked in the car. Tiffany was gone. And the spare set of keys were some quarter of a mile away. What was I going to do? And so what I decided I was going to do is I was going to start trying to cajole Ethan to unlock the door to the car. Like, push this button. And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. having a grand old time. I sure hope he doesn't remember this. But anyway, who felt more free in that moment? Ethan is locked in to a car that is running. Music playing over the stereo speakers, air conditioner going full blast, having the time of his life. And here I am, embodying or inhabiting the rest of the entire world. And yet there was something as simple as a piece of glass or a car door or even a lock that separated the two of us. Again, I asked the question, who is it that felt more free. Well, Ethan was a smart. He still is smart. But he was smart. And within a, final, within a few moments, he unlocked the car door, and I did not miss the opportunity to make sure that he opened it. Oh, I opened it before he had an opportunity to relock it. And we had this wonderful embrace. Still this child feeling like he had 
conquered the world. And with all of the energy and the emotion that was surging through my young daddy's body at the time, the only words I could muster were thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that Tiffany did not have to witness this firsthand. <laughs> thank you, Jesus, that Ethan did not put the car in, in drive or neutral or reverse. Thank you that I didn't have to worry about how I was going to get home and get back with a spare set of keys. Thank you. Is that always our first response when we face adversity? When we are conflicted about where we are free or with whom we are free? Sometimes we make excuses. Sometimes we hold grudges. Sometimes we are overwhelmed, well overwhelmed with grief. But it's funny how in those moments when the right thing happens at the right time, we are reduced to two simple words. Thank you. Because of how helpless it feels when your experience of reality and freedom collides with expectation and fear, grief, Grumbling and grudges. God wants to bring you freedom from the things that are holding on to you. And it starts even with acknowledging the adversity and coming back to that moment where we just simply can say nothing else. But thank you. Thanking God and worshiping God and being so grateful in that moment that whatever it was, the power of the Spirit that came in and encouraged his toddler fingers to hit the unlock button or whatever, to just simply say thank you. When we are reduced to nothing else, feeling powerless, feeling constrained, feeling scared. This reminds us that gratitude also brings about deliverance. Gratitude brings about deliverance which is the opposite side, so to speak, of the restriction and the constriction that we feel when life doesn't go our way. Gratitude brings this deliverance to help us know that there is life on the other side of it. There's life on the other side of the restriction and the constriction that we experience because life doesn't always go according to our expectations. Think about the entirety of Scripture and one of the stories that comes to mind deals with Jonah and the whale. Now, Jonah is one of those stories that when people are considering whether or not they're going to believe in the Bible, they'll ask a question, do you really think that Jonah spent three days in the belly of the fish? And, yeah, I don't know for sure. But what I do know for sure is that Jesus believed it. Jesus talked of it as though it is historical fact. Therefore, my faith, even in the fact that I cannot see how Jonah would have spent three days in the belly of the whale, my faith tells me that that's what happened, and I'm going to persist in hope until the time comes when I'm able to ask or see the evidence of the answer for myself. But the story of Jonah has to do with what happens when you come face to face with your expectation and the reality, because God had told Jonah to go to Nineveh, which is modern-day Mosul. 
and Iraq. And the last place Jonah really wanted to go was Nineveh. And so jo Jonah tried running from God. Has anyone in here ever felt a call from God and you tried running from it? Running from him? Trying to avoid the responsibility? And of course Jonah gets on a ship and he's trying to go the opposite direction from Nineveh. And God brings about all of these conditions and circumstances to where Joseph, I'm sorry, Joseph, Jonah was without choice and option. He knew that the storm that fell upon that ship in the waters was going to continue to batter the boat until Jonah obediently decided to live into God's call. And so Jonah went overboard, and he was swallowed by a fish. And he spent, there, spent three days there before he was burped, or as it's probably more accurately positioned, vomited out by the whale to be thrown up out of the conditions and the circumstances that have us feeling as though we are trapped, as though we are restricted, and we are constricted. This is what Jonah had to say about that experience. I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So in all of that situation where Jonah was trapped by the conditions and the circumstances of his disobedience, of what was happening around him in the world, Jonah came back to that moment where he realized, I must pay sacrifice to you, almighty God, with the voice of thanksgiving and follow through with what I have committed to do, to persist with integrity and honor because salvation is of the Lord. Jonah learned in that moment that salvation could not be of Jonah, but salvation had to be of the Lord. And Jonah learned a very important lesson there. That sometimes we are free to do whatever it is that we want to do, but we are not free from the consequences of our actions or our decisions. And that there are times when God is working within our lives to move us to a certain path within the confines of our own free will to tell us that there is one and only way that we're going to experience the freedom that God has in store for us. And that is by knowing God's word, committing to go God's will and going God's way. Living a life of integrity and persistence and honor because it says more about who and whose we are than it does anything else. That was the lesson that Jonah had to learn in his circumstances until he was able to get to that point, left him feeling trapped until he was able to finally say, I know that salvation is of you, Lord. And this is what we learn about the kind of the conundrum about freedom. And it may seem contradictory at times that there is a way God wants us to go within the confines of our own free will, that unless we go that way, we are going to feel trapped and isolated. It has to do with the idea of liberty, right? But also libertinism. Liberty says, I am free to do whatever I want. But what happens at times when we decide to indulge ourselves with that sense of freedom to a point where we are no longer free from the things that we in entered into and engaged into freely. Take, for example, an addiction, right? 
You may be free to enter into eating something, drinking something, smoking something, whatever, popping a pill. You may be free to enter into that, but it does not take long before the vice that you hold on to actually realize, you realize it has a hold on you. And you're no longer free from it. That is when the Apostle Paul wrote, all things are, benefit, are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. Is that there are times when our sense of trying to experience freedom and license to do whatever it is that we want ends up being the worst thing that we could imagine for us. And we think we are being constricted and restricted by God's will, word, and way. We realize that the circumstances of life that we freely enter into, thinking we are exercising our freedom, actually become the things that entrap us. It seems like a contradiction. But it's not because of what we've already read, that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. God doesn't want anything else in this world to have a hold on you but him. And everything else will fall into place. Does that mean that there are times when we have to say no to the desires of our flesh? You betcha. But does that mean that God doesn't want us to have any fun? God doesn't want us to enjoy life and the things of this world? No. But what God does not want primarily is for anything other than him and his love to have a hold on you. His forgiveness, his grace, his mercy. The problem with our free will is we tend to think that it gives us license to do things that will actually hold on to us as opposed to us letting, or us having the ability to hold on to it. And so my friends, gratitude does bring deliverance. When we get into the spirit of God and we find the freedom there, to say, I need to make a better choice for me within my experience of free will, within my experience of what is right in God and God's way. That's where we find the deliverance. And even when we have been restricted or constricted by life circumstances, when we recognize that salvation is of the Lord, not of Mark, or not of you, or anything other than our Savior Jesus Christ, you're not going to find that in a bottle, on a website, at a vacation destination, even Disney, the most magical place on earth. It's only in Christ, in Christ alone. And our gratitude helps to bring us through to the other side of those places and those moments where we feel that we are trapped and restricted. And so, friends, this means that gratitude brings with it a choice. Gratitude brings with it a choice. God will give you the choice to get out of your will and into his. And sometimes it might mean that you have to get thrown up by the conditions in which you're living, just like Jonah. But the beauty on the other side of it, the deliverance that comes beyond the entrapment and the imprisonment, shows us that the world is full of hope and glory that we couldn't even begin to understand or comprehend when we were trapped in our so-called experience of freedom. So let's look at our verse from Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. This is where the Apostle Paul wrote, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be what? Thankful. Let's read it one more time together, right? I don't do that all, all that often. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. 
Will you choose to give God your gratitude in spite of your circumstances? If you feel trapped or restricted or constricted, will you choose to start that very next thought, that very next step with gratitude and saying thank you? Because what we see from this is that when we allow our gratitude to be that very next step, we enter into the presence of God. And where the presence of God is, there is freedom. And God wants to deliver you from the things that you freely thought you were going to get into that ended up getting a hold on you. God's going to deliver, the, deliver you from that. But you have a choice. Will you continue to live in that sense of restricted freedom? Or will you enter into the full eternal freedom that God has in store for you through his son and your savior, Jesus Christ? Paul said it starts when we allow Christ to rule in our hearts. What do you allow to sit on the throne of your heart? What do you idolize and elevate above God? thinking that you are freely exercising your free will and you are freely exercising your choice, but then you realize, I'm not free to turn loose of these things that have actually grabbed hold of me. Maybe it's not an addiction to a substance. Maybe it's an addiction to an emotion. Like grumbling. Being a critical spirit. Holding on to grudges because of people who you trusted, you feel betrayed you, or grief that the world and the life that you thought you lived in isn't as you thought it was. I say we need to choose gratitude over the spirit of grumbling, or grief for the grudges we bear. So that we can live freely in the experience of life with God. I know what it's like for grumbling and grief and grievances of grudges to hold on to me and to dictate how it is that I see the world and I see other people and I even see the church locally and cosmically. There have been times I've allowed my limited experience to color and shade the perception of what it means for God to be working not only in my life to execute his word, his will, and his way, but also in other people's lives as well. That when we pray, we are praying that the same spirit that lives within us and lives within you is weaving and connecting us together by the power of God's love and his mercy and his forgiveness. Friends, we need to choose God's way, God's grace, as opposed to the grumbling and the grievance and the grudges that we so easily choose to live into. There's a therapeutic technique called grounding. I know it sounds like everything's grrr today. Eh, not necessarily, it wasn't necessarily intentional. But there is this technique called grounding. And it's something that I've used when I myself have been spun up in anxiety and panic attacks. It's something that I've used when I've been spun up in anger and fury. Grounding is about taking note of everything that is around us that is apart from the grievance and the grumbling and the grief that we otherwise experience. 
For example, those mornings when I awake at 3 a.m. and I feel like my heart is dribbling off the ceiling above the bed and that cold sweat that rushes over the body, the lump in the throat, you know what I'm talking about, right? The way out of that is grounding. To say, here I am in my nice warm bed. Here I am with my favorite pillow and probably a cat somewhere next to me. Here I am with my beautiful bride who I've yoked up my life with. Here I am in this house. Here I am in your word, in your will, in your way, Almighty God. Thank you. Thank you, God, for being bigger than my fears. Thank you, God, for being bigger than my worries. Thank you, God, for being bigger than my anxieties. Thank you, God, for being bigger than even the biggest choices that I need to make. And so, I ground myself with two simple words. Thank you. And I confess that all too often, those are the only two words that I can find when I'm having an anxiety attack in the middle of the night or when my toddler son has locked himself in the car or when I don't know how God is going to deliver me or us from these circumstances that we find ourselves in. All too often I want to start by saying, help me. I don't think God minds that. But the password into God's presence is what? Thank you. Thank you, God, for wanting to help me. Thank you, God, for bringing freedom to me. Even in those times when my free will may want to be exercised in a way that wants to entrap me. Thank you, God, for delivering me from the things that I thought I held on to, but they actually hold on to me. And so, God, I'm making a choice to start my need with thank you and then moving to asking for help because I know that you are real. I know that you love me and I know that you have a plan and a purpose for my life. And that is true for you too. God wants you to choose his grace over your grumbling. God wants you to choose his mercy over your grievances. God wants you to choose his freedom over your grief. And anything else that you think at one point was going to bring you freedom, but it ended up bringing you into a sense of feeling trapped and choked and stuck. And so I pray today that as we bring this message in this series to a close, that we make the decision and the commitment to choose God over this world and to give God thanks for who he is and what he's done in our lives. To persist when things are tough, when they're challenging. To stay on God's path, to remain in the faith and to persist in hope. Because we are called to go be God's ambassadors of reconciliation in the world. And we must live with integrity. So that our behavior and our beliefs match. So that when we present 
the message of hope and reconciliation to a lost and lonely world, people do not try to discredit the gospel based on the one who is presenting it. And in order for us to do that, we must live lives of honor, honoring God, honoring our parents, yes, even honoring officials and authorities in the world and their spiritual leaders, even in times when they do not deserve it because it says more about who we are and whose we are than the troubles that we face in this world. And so, as I close us in prayer and the band comes up to close us in song, I want you to think about the gratitude that you need to show to God today. How God is offering you freedom and deliverance and a choice to fix your heart, your mind, and your life on him. I want us to have just a few moments of silent reflection, and then I'll close us in prayer. And as that last song plays, if you would like to come and kneel about the altar and spend some time in prayer with God too, you're welcome to do that as well. But may we collectively enter into a time of silence and to reflect upon the gratitude that we need to show to God today to ground us in that faith and hope and love and help us to experience the love that he has in store for us. Let's pray together. Thank you again for joining us today. We are glad that you stopped by. Again, we want to encourage you to visit us online at placeofhope.org. If you're in the Paulding County area, there you can get service times, directions, and information about all of our awesome activities for children, for students, and for adults. Again, Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him, and we hope to provide you the heart fuel you need to follow Jesus. Thanks again.